In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So we've been studying the Ten Commandments, and last time uh, we uh, started speaking about the uh, Fifth Commandment. Remember what the Fifth Commandment is? Honor your father and mother, right? And it's the first commandment of the, the second group of commandments, which is related to the relationship between uh, people with each other. And um, we spoke about some of the uh, consequences uh, for when someone would disobey their parents in the Old Testament. Um, I'm just going to go through a couple more verses here, and then we'll move on to the next section. Uh, so it says in Deuteronomy 26, Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say, Amen. And in Proverbs 30, The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. It's very graphic. Why do you think that um, God is so adamant about obedience to the parents? Like, why is it such a big deal that, that there's all these verses saying that even disobedience to the parents results in, in death? Yes, yeah, so the parents are representatives of God, right? So God shows us love and compassion through our parents. And also we are called to treat our parents with love and respect, just as we would treat God with love and respect. That doesn't mean that our parents are equivalent to God. But it means that if we can learn to be submissive, to show obedience and love and respect to our parents, then we can also do the same thing to God. But if we are rebellious against our parents, how is it that we can be submissive to God? It's something that we learn um, growing up over time, how a person submits their will to another. Good. What else? Why is, why is it such a severe punishment for the disobedience to the parents? Good. So if, if we are disobedient to God, then the punishment is very, very severe, right? Like eternal death. So he wants us to, like in our life, to see that the, the punishment of disobedient parents is also very, very extreme, right? To take it very seriously. Um, also, what is the purpose of the parents? The purpose of the parents is to impart wisdom and knowledge and to, and to help the children, to raise them, to, to help them to grow, to nourish them. So everything that the parents are, are supposed to be providing to the children is good, right, and necessary for the kids to grow. But the children don't necessarily understand this. Like as children, they don't, they don't understand maybe that the things that the parents are telling them to do are necessary or what is the consequence if they disobey them. So maybe the children are rebellious, right? Um, but, but God wants to reinforce this dynamic of the relationship between the parents and the children because it is through the parents that the children will be saved I, I don't i don't mean that just literally but like in so many ways the, the parents are responsible for the salvation of the kids in so many ways like physically they have to feed them right if the parents don't feed them then they will die uh, but also spiritually 
you know what what the what the parents impart to the children growing up is a huge part of what's going to make them to be the people that they are when they grow so if they see for instance that the parents are uh, are obedient to God are submitting to God are coming to the church the children by their nature are going to absorb that and consider that to be an important value that they also are going to imitate so the the God wants the parents to be like such an important like to play such an important role in the in the lives of the kids and so the kids have to follow that they have to understand the importance um, of that the role of the parents so the father is the head of the family okay this is the way that God instituted the family is that the father is the head of the family and the priest of the family right um, there was actually some statistics that was done that showed like in the lives of certain families like when the father goes to church what impact does that have on the children and they found that by far the statistics showed that when the father goes to church the children also will go to church right if the father doesn't go to church then the children will not go to church and actually it had a bigger impact a much bigger impact than the mother when it came to the going to church so like if the mother went to church but the father didn't go this also um the, the children were not as likely to go to church god instituted the father to be like the priest of the house in the sense that it is his leadership of spiritual leadership that should be guiding the family to get closer to god like the person who should be the one leading the family to come to church is a father the person who should be saying let's read the bible is the father the person who said let's go make an appointment to go and confess this is the father this should be this is the father is the spiritual leader um, of the family also in the old testament the blessing of the father was very very important for instance, if you look at the example of Jacob and Esau, Jacob and Esau, they were the sons of Isaac. And at the end of Isaac's life, he was going to impart a blessing. In the Old Testament, this blessing was not just like well wishes, right? It wasn't just like, I wish you well in your life, my son, you know, go and no. This blessing actually like like imparted some kind of like uh, power in it. It's like it's like almost like a prophecy. That that the one who is to be blessed by the by the father is to have a life that is filled with blessing, and so the, the 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 eldest son, who was going to be the one to continue the lineage of the father to be the next patriarch of the family, he is the one who would receive this blessing from the father as a as a as a blessing for him to continue the work of his father, like to continue the family lineage, and that God would be blessing the family of the in the next generation just as he blessed the previous and this was all something that was done through the blessing of the father so it it showed the importance of this family connection between the father and the son also god refers to himself as father right like god could have referred to himself i mean he does refer to himself by many different names but one of the most important ones is father and even when the disciples asked the lord jesus christ how is it that we should pray he started out by saying our father right the identity of of god our creator as father right is a parallel to our earthly fathers right that we would that we'd say just as my earthly father showed me love and compassion and all these good things so also i'm seeing this in my father this is how it's intended to be sadly when the earthly father is either not present or is not a good example morally or spiritually then the the children grow up with a skewed perspective of who god is they say well god is like my father this is kind of like automatic what 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 what, what kind of is instilled in, in children is that they, they automatically believe God is like my father. 
So if my father was good and a good example, then they will automatically assume that God is also good. But if my father was not good, if he was not a good example for me, if he neglected me, then I will see that God also maybe doesn't care about me as well. He also, God likens himself to the compassion of the mother, right? Like the mother is like the compassionate figure. She is the one who, like through her, her heart, is, is showing love and compassion, tenderness, nurturing of the children, right? God also has these characteristics. When the Lord Christ is saying to the people, he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So again, this, this, is, uh, this is like an example of the mother, right? Like the mother hen is wanting to protect her children, right? And, and, and God is, is like likening himself to this. Just as the mother hen wants to protect her children, so also God is wanting to protect and to bring together his children, right? But they are always rejecting him like all the time. So you see that the role of the parents, of course, there's many different responsibilities of the parents, but they all are showing compassion and love and, and even rebuke, all of these things to raise the children. And this is why the, the, the children need to submit to this because it is for their good in the end, even if they don't understand or realize that it is, but that certainly that is what it is. How can we honor our parents? What does honor look like when we say honoring our parents? One way which is maybe I would say kind of an indirect way of honoring our parents because it has nothing to do with speaking to them or treating them in a certain way, is to live wisely, right? What is it that parents want for their children when they grow up? They want them to be successful, right? Successful not just financially but spiritually. They want them to, to grow in the fear of God. They want their children to be wise. They want their children to be able to grow and make good decisions. They want them to, to have a good life, right? So to live wisely and to be responsible and to make good choices, this actually is part of honoring our parents. In Proverbs 10, it says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Well, here there is no, like, it's not referring here to any kind of interaction between the son and the parents. It's talking about the actions of the son. The actions of the son are either a joy to the parents or they are grief to the parents. Simply seeing the choices that the son is making. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Delighting because they see that, like, the parents feel responsible for the, uh, the, upper, uh, uh, the raising of the kids, and when they see that the kids are doing good, they feel like we did our, our, we did our job in the eyes of God. We did what we could do. Similarly, many times, uh, even when it's not warranted, the parents feel guilty if their children make poor choices in their life. And they come and they say, this is my fault. This is because I didn't raise them a certain way or I didn't teach them a certain thing. Oftentimes, it's not even their fault, right? Because obviously, every child has their own free will to choose. How is it that they could live? There are some people who uh, maybe they had all of the opportunities and their parents loved them and they raised them in the right way, but the child still chooses the wrong thing. Maybe like the prodigal son is a perfect example that even though he lived with his father, and his father was obviously a good father, he actually, his father's representing God, right? And yet, the son went, and he was very foolish, which brought a lot of agony to the father. Maybe even the example of God himself. You know, God himself is our father. But how many people who, who say that God is their father still live uh, a sinful life, or live a life that is not pleasing to him, or live a foolish life, right? So it's not the case automatically that just because 
you know, like it's a child is living foolishly that this is the parent's fault. But the parents feel that burden, right? They feel the burden and the weight of the decisions that their children have are making and they always are going to like consider in their mind is this because of something i did is it because of something i should have done differently and and it brings grief and sadness to the parents of course also to see the suffering of their kids for the foolish decisions that they're making a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him he who begets a scoffer does so to his sorrow and the father of a fool has no joy many many verses here all speaking about the same thing. So one way to honor our parents is to live wisely, is to live a godly life. This is honoring our parents. Also gratitude. Be thankful for all the things that parents have done. And, and oftentimes children don't even realize or understand all the things that the parents have done for them until maybe they themselves grow and become parents and realize the sacrifice that is necessary to truly be a successful parent of how much time you have to give, right? Like I always say... Like when you decide you want to be a parent, your entire life is now going to be about this person that you are going to bring into the world. It's not about you. It's not about your desires or where you want to go or what you want to do. It's now about this person. And if you see anyone who, you know, if, if you're a parent or if you've seen people who are parents, you see how everything revolves around that child. Like your sleep schedule revolves around that child. How much money that you have are going to spend on that child like you're gonna go do things that otherwise you never would have done even things you don't enjoy doing but you enjoy it just for the sake of the child everything becomes about the child right so 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 the children of course are oblivious right you know maybe very kind of self-centered and they're not seeing this they're just seeing their own life and the things they want and all that and maybe may many 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 years later is the first time that the child actually starts to realize look at all the things that my parents sacrificed for me all the things that they gave up, how much, how diligent they were in caring for me. So a big part of showing honor to our parents is showing gratitude for the years and years and decades that they invested into us, even at personal cost, even uh, with the suffering that went with it, even with you know all the things that we put them through in our disobedience, in our rejection of them, in our rebellion, in the things that we said to them, right? This is gratitude that my parents loved me so much despite of myself, you know, despite of all that I had done. Another type of gratitude is to show mercy on their imperfections because for many years, maybe children believe that their parents are perfect until a certain time where they realize that they are not. And, and it's easy for children to focus so much on the imperfections of the parents, even especially when they feel like the imperfections of the parents are the reason for their own pain and suffering and they say, you know what, you made me this way. You should have been a better father or a better mother. You should have, uh, you know, like, like been more patient with me. You should have spent more time with me. You should have done this and this. And it's very easy for adults to look back, having now the experience of, you know, being adults, to look back in the past and say to our parents and identify in our parents all the things they should have done differently, all the things that they did wrong. But again, we have to balance that with all the things that they did right, right? And we have to balance that with our own weaknesses. Like, are we the perfect parents? Are we the ones who are going to do everything right? Um, even against our own will, our weaknesses are going to affect our children in one way or the other. And, and, and we, we didn't wish it would be so, but it's the reality that it is so. And as much as we try to shield our children from our weaknesses, they will be affected by it. So just as we want our children to have mercy on us, 
and we want them to see that we did the best we could and all that we could for them as much as we were able. So also we should have gratitude and mercy on our parents' imperfections. That doesn't mean that the imperfections are irrelevant and they didn't matter and that parents, you know, they're completely absolved, right, from everything. But it means that we should take things in a balanced way, right? Just as you, you invested so much and you did so much and you sacrificed so much, yes, I also see that there's things you could have done differently, things you could have done better, but I'm still grateful. I'm grateful for all that you did and thankful for um, all that you did. What would we be without our parents' help and support? You know, if you think like, what what would we have become if our parents neglected us completely? What is it we would have become if if there was nobody there to care for us, right? And this could be for whoever that is. You know, like let's say a person, you know, their physical parents were not there or they died or something, right? But there is someone who was there, right? Someone, even if it's not our biological parents. Someone was there. Someone took the responsibility on themselves to care for us. And so showing gratitude is a big part of honoring that I'm honoring them by being thankful for all that they have done. Another big part of honoring our parents is to support them, right? To support them as they get older. Um, just as when we were infants and very young and we could not support ourselves, we didn't have the ability to take care of ourselves, to feed ourselves, to do any of that. But our parents were there to do those things for us that we couldn't do. Um, maybe there will come a time when our parents will not be able for themselves to do the things that they used to be able to do on their own. Who then is going to be the one to step in and to help them, you know? Um, in our culture, right, we have, uh, you know, m maybe the, the thing that a lot of people do, and then maybe maybe there's no other choice, right, like to put our parents into like, you know, like a, like a nursing home type of setup. Uh, and I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. I'm just saying, like, maybe maybe from practical perspective that's all that can be done to really take care of them full-time as they need but that also doesn't mean that the children have no responsibility to the parents again think about how they mu how much they sacrificed right for for us what is it that we can sacrifice for them what is it that i can give up for the sake of of those who gave all that they had in order to to help me and to help me to grow um in matthew 15 the lord is speaking to the Pharisees, okay, um, who, who had taken the command of honoring your father and mother and had twisted it and had turned it into something else for their own, like bec to, to, to essentially absolve themselves of having to give this honor and make this sacrifice for their parents. It says, he answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Again, he's speaking to the Pharisees. The commandment he's speaking about here is this fifth commandment, which is honoring your, your father and mother. For God commanded saying, honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me as a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. What is it that the people were doing? Instead of serving their parents and taking like the money that they needed to spend in order to, to give to their parents, they took that money and they gave it to the temple. And they said, whatever it is that you have received from me, I give it as a gift to God. And in their mind, this was a righteous thing to do. Like in their mind... Like no, we we this is this is honoring our parents by essentially taking the money we would have spent on them and giving it to God, right? But of course, here Christ is rebuking them. Says no, like you can't take that. You can't. You, this is not the same thing as honoring your father and your mother. Um, 
to sacrifice your time and your money in order to give to them, this is something that is asked of us. And this is difficult, right? Especially if our parents are older and they're very sick and they need constant attention. And I'm not saying again that it's wrong to bring other people to help or to put them in a place that of people that can help them. But in the end, it is our responsibility, right? For them to the very end, right? To be there. A lot of times the support is not in the form of necessarily financial support or support as in uh, like uh, like if they're sick, but just being present with them, you know, sh like showing us that we c showing them that we care about them, that we want to help them, that we want to to do things for them when they need our help, that we're willing to, to help. And again, this can be difficult sometimes, especially for those who maybe don't have a great relationship with their parents. Those who see that their parents were a big source of pain and suffering in their life, right? Maybe when it comes time for me now to serve them, I find it difficult to do so because I, I, I'm struggling with that. But this goes back to the idea of the gratitude, right? Like our parents have imperfections. And certainly maybe the way that they raised us could have been better, right? And maybe that could have had a b positive impact on me. But just as here, um, Christ is not absolving the Pharisees from from honoring their father or mother in order to give the money to the temple. So also, even if our parents were not the perfect parents and didn't do all, all everything right, it doesn't absolve us from giving them support in their time of need, right? If you think about infants, infants really don't provide anything like to the parents in terms of like, they're always crying, they're, they're always having tantrums, like there's the, everything that they're doing is like difficult difficult to live with an infant right we love them because it is in our nature like god put in us the desire to love children not because the child is really doing anything easy but everything they do is difficult and yet the parents still had the patience and loved and did all of that so now also when the, the roles are flipped and we are the ones that are supposed to have the patience we are the ones that are supposed to sacrifice so god is calling us to do so to support our parents and this is part of honoring them In 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of the household, of his household, uh, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Like, see, like, the, the strong language here? Well, this is in the New Testament now, right? It says, If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So the faith is associated with this. Right? What is denying the faith here? Denying the faith is denying it in an action. Right? Just like St. James, he says, show me your faith by your works. Don't just declare your faith with words that you, you know, I, I'm a believer. But if you really are a believer, then demonstrate that faith with your works, with your actions, with the things that you are doing. Okay? Um, on the cross, the Lord actually, while he was in the midst of the greatest suffering, that anyone can imagine on the cross, he still thought, how, how is my mother going to be taken care of after I am gone? And it says, he said to the disciple who was St. John the Beloved who was there, he said about St. Mary, he said, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And if you can imagine, like even on that moment, how Christ was caring about his mother and wanted her to be well taken care of. And so he made this arrangement for her even then. So it says something to us. Um, also, as I mentioned before, the idea of honoring our parents is not limited only to our biological parents. But as the church, 
We consider that all people who are who are elderly and in need are like our parents, right? They are like the 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 the, the elders of the church, the people who you know we we show respect to and love to, and we help them, right? Just as they also help us with their wisdom and giving us guidance and wisdom from their experience. So these commands of taking care of people in your own household, this doesn't apply only to your biological parents, but it, it applies to really anyone who is in need, anyone who you know is, 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 is of an older stature, who cannot help themselves, who is in need of someone to step in and to help them. This is the responsibility of the church. Um, if there is nobody else, if they don't have any actual you know, biological children who can help them, it is the responsibility of the church to help them. Also, uh, we read about how Joseph took care of his father and his brothers, Joseph the Righteous in the Old Testament. These brothers of his are the same brothers that cast him into a well and sold him as a slave. You know, so again, going back to the idea that what if our family, that God is telling us to honor them, they, what if they had mistreated us? What if they had treated us contempt, contemptfully? And we see many examples in the world of people who have such a bad relationship with their family, right, for many reasons, right, because of things that they have done to each other, because of weaknesses that they have and so on, and they live the rest of their life feeling bitterness toward their family. And the last thing they want to do is honor them. The last thing they want to do is think, what good thing can I offer to them? No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to help this person. This person said this to me, this person did this to me, and we just remember the history and the past and the pain and we justify to ourselves why i know i can't even reach out and talk to this person or i can't i can't serve them i can't do something good for them when i needed them they weren't there for me so i'm not going to give anything to them maybe one of the greatest examples that can rebuke us of this attitude is joseph again joseph was thrown into a well by his brothers they lied about him to their father and told him that he was dead they sold him as a slave to egypt he lived for 14 years in this state. He was a prisoner. All of these things happened to him. And yet, when it came time for him to be reunited with his brothers again, he treated them with the greatest respect. He treated them with, like, above and beyond even what they asked for. In Genesis 45, it says, Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord over all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me, you and your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. And this promise was not just for his father. He had no issue with his father, but it was also for his brothers. They did not even ask for this, right? Like he, when he is inviting them to come and to live in Egypt because there is a famine, he prepared an entire region in Egypt for them to, to dwell with all of their families, Right. And he did so not because they asked him or pleaded with him or begged him or promised him that they were going to give him anything. But he, he did so on his own. He offered this to, him, to them on his own of how much he cared about them and how he had completely forgiven them for everything that they had done to him in the past. And this kind of divine forgiveness, like this forgiveness that is beyond understanding, is something that can only be understood in the context of the grace of God, that if the grace of God is working with us, then we are able to forgive and to serve those people even who did not serve us when, when, when they had the opportunity to do so. So again, this commandment to honor the father and mother has nothing to do with if they treated us well. 
had nothing to do if they offered us the service or they offered us what we needed at the time. No, actually, Christ is saying this commandment is, is irrespective of that. It is your responsibility and duty to honor, right? has nothing to do with what they said or what they did to you in the past. Um, another way that we honor our parents is by showing them love and respect, okay? Um, and actually, th the first love that we experience, how we even define what love is as, as children, is through the parents. The way that the parents treat us is the first experience of love, the first loving relationship that we have, that we experience in our life comes from them. And this, for most of the time, this is something that comes naturally to the parents, something that is supported by God in innate and instinctual, that God places inside the parent to make the parent feel a certain kind of warmth and love toward their child that doesn't even make sense. Again, because the child, to a large extent, is difficult. Is as difficult as always, you know, doing the wrong thing, always disobeying, uh, hard for us to manage them, and yet God places in us this 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 unconditional love toward them, wanting to protect them, wanting to serve them, wanting to give to them, even when they reject us, even when they rebel against us, right? And this also is a parallel to the love that God has for us. Something even as parents that we learn, you know, by having children, is we learn what it means for God to love us when we see in ourselves the love that we have for our, ch our children. Because if, if just as we love our children without reason, that, that, that does, there's not a reason, we just simply love them, just for who they are. God also loves us the same. We have not done anything to deserve the love of God. We haven't done anything to earn his love. We haven't done anything good. And actually, when the scripture is speaking about the crucifixion, which is the greatest act of love that God has done for us, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning we hadn't attained a kind of level of perfection or holiness or righteousness or obedience, and then God said, okay, now because you have earned it, now I will come. No, it said actually while you were still sinner, while you still were living in darkness, while you still hadn't done anything good, I'm going to come and I'm going to die for your sins so that you can have salvation, right? This is the love that parents have for their children. And so it should also be a reciprocal love, right? Just as the parents have this divine love for their children, like this love that's given by God to their children, so also the children should have a love and a respect for their parents. Also a divine love, a love that like is 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 made from a very strong bond. Like I see God's love in them. I see that God is is has chosen these people to be like the the vessel through which I am loved by him, right? And that and that his love is manifested in them. Of course, as young children, it might be very hard for them to comprehend this, okay? But this is something that as we grow to begin to realize its fullness and to see that God chose them for me and chose me for them and it is a mutual relationship um of love. And so so we should be showing this love and respect, and uh, and again, like the, this is um, this is manifested in different ways, but it's something very important um, for us. We can split it up to like kind of two type of categories: this love and respect. The first we could call it as an active, an active action that we are taking to show love and respect to our parents, and the second one it would be a more passive way of showing love and respect. Um, active meaning. The child is doing all that he can to satisfy his parents. His parents have certain um, requests. They have certain preferences. They have certain things that they want, 
right? And the child would do all that he can as much as within his ability um, to satisfy, right? To satisfy. Like my parents prefer something out of my love for them and respect for them. I want to do that. I, I feel joy in, 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 in my parents having joy. I feel joy in seeing my parents satisfied and, and happy with me, right? Um, and this should continue throughout life, even after... Um, you know, like our parents leave the world, we offer their names on the altar to pray for them and to pray for the departed. Uh, we actively are trying to please them, right? And this is also very innate. Children naturally have a desire for their parents to be pleased with them. They naturally want the parents to look at them favorably, right? There's also passive ways to show this love and respect, meaning the child should not anger his parents, nor should he treat them with cruelty or hatred or ignore their opinion. Um, he should not exhaust his parents with frequent needs which are beyond their ability to understand what their limitations are, what they can offer. He should not waste their belongings or taint their family reputation. Right? He should be wise in the way that he manages their things. He should be wise in the way that he, he acts and behaves. The worst attitude, however, that a child may acquire is to wish evil or even death to either of his parents. You know, We live in a society that is a very rebellious one very rebellious and it's almost implanted in children from a young age that parents are backwards that parents don't know what's best for you you know in schools now in many places that promote transgenderism they they feel like the parents are actually an obstacle the child is going to be encouraged to change their sexuality change their gender and we won't even tell the parents that this is happening because the parents will want to stop it because actually we know better than the parents you know what is it that should be done for our children Right. This is like from the school's perspective speaking. Parents are seen as being like um, the, the the traditional role of parents has been eroded. When when we talk about a parent being being strong and firm with their child to teach them the right thing, no, then society will come say, you know, you're being too harsh on your on your kids. You're you're not you're not um, you're not going to be their friend. They're gonna they're gonna uh, fight against you. They're gonna run away. They don't see you as being cool parents. Right. Parents, there's a lot of pressure on parents to make to make them feel like, well, I have to give in to the de to desires of my kid because they're going to see that their friends also get to do the things that they want to do that I'm saying no. As Christians, this is a big challenge for us because we're always trying to put restrictions and boundaries according to God's commandment on what our kids are allowed to do. And then our kids go see other kids in school or whatnot that don't have those boundaries and restrictions. And then they come to us and they say, well, why this person can do this and, and we can't? This is definitely a, a very important topic which we don't have time to get into but a big part of teaching our children to honor and respect us is that they would trust us in the boundaries that we place for them to make them realize that the boundaries we place for them are not restrictions to limit you but they're restrictions to protect you this is actually an act of love it is not an act of hatred it's not an act of neglect the reason i put these restrictions on you is 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 an act of love that maybe you don't understand it now but i want you to trust me i want you to trust me and the more we give to our kids the more they see our genuine love for them and the areas and the ways they can understand the more likely they are going to believe us when we tell them i'm going to put a boundary for you i know you don't understand this now but I promise you, you will understand it one day, and I want to protect you from bad things that can happen, right? And if they believe truly that we love them and that we care about them and when we, in, when we invest in them, then they will believe us in this, God willing, and they will believe us in this. And then over time, they will begin to realize and understand the reason why. Because if children really do understand this, then even though they disagree, 
with our means, even though they disagree with how we are raising them, they will still respect that we care enough about them to place it. I, mean, I remember a story that I read in a book about a, like a teenage girl who uh, was dressed very inappropriately, and she was going to go out with her friends very inappropriately. And her father saw her dressed this way, and he was not happy with it, but he didn't say anything. He said, you know what, I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to tell my daughter that she's not dressed well and that she's just going to go out like this, and so I stayed silent. Many years later, it so happened that they somehow this girl, and she grew up to be an adult, the, the instance, this instance came up in their conversation. And she told her father, I was so upset that you didn't try to stop me from going out dressed this way. It made me feel like you didn't care about me because she knew that what she was doing was wrong, but she didn't realize that he was afraid to say. So this is a good stopping point for today, but it's important for us as parents to, to place those boundaries and to help our kids understand why. And it's important for kids to respect the boundaries and the restrictions that parents place on them even when they don't fully um, understand. Any comments before we conclude? Okay, can pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask, O Lord, for your blessing. We ask, O Lord, that you, t you teach us how to follow your commandments and to understand the purpose behind the commandments and that you have given us all these things out of your wisdom and your love for us to guide us and to lead us, O Lord, to your heavenly kingdom. And just as parents want their children to obey them for their own sake and for their own good, we know, O Lord, that you call, you call us to, f to obey you and to follow you for our own good. Help us, O Lord, to be wise in our understanding. And as the wise man to follow you before having to be punished or to see the consequences of sin. But to trust, O oh God, your commandments are good for us and that they are leading us to the heavenly kingdom. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one in christ jesus our lord for thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever and ever amen the love of god the father the grace of the only begotten son our lord god and savior jesus christ the communion the gift of the holy spirit be with you all go in peace the peace of the lord be with you amen